Hello everyone, finally, <laughs> again, uh, I have my podcast out, um, I hope everybody's well, uh, I've been a very busy man, um, I've been trying to get a load of things sorted in my life at the moment, and it's been a bit bit hectic, um, so this is kind of like a two-parter, I will briefly go over the Palace game, um, even though there's a lot to talk about in the Palace game, but it's, it's you know, it's two episodes really in one, and we're going to talk about the Villa game as well. So with the Palace game, uh, let's talk about the lineup first of all. It was a very, very interesting lineup. I predicted the night before the Palace game that I think Arteta will go sort of back to this four-three-three he's been trying to do. He did it against Burnley, and the reason why I think he he did this was mainly because of Partey, and I think reasoning as well. Partey, you know, he's he's such a good player. He can he can he'll be able to hold down the fort. Now I think there is a bit of ignorance along with this because I think with with uh, Arteta, I think maybe he sort of disregarded um, Vieira in a way, which I'm not saying it's understandable, but I knew as soon as. That potentially could have happened. I knew that there would be problems because, you know, Palace. I wouldn't say they're a bogey team for Arsenal, but at the same time, you know, the fixtures haven't been kind to them. You know, if you look at history, recent history at least, Arsenal Palace has always been one of those tough games, tough London games. So I had a feeling it could have been a lot of troubles ahead, but I think at the same time, you know, Arsenal have a lot of had enough quality, even even with Xhaka injured and whatnot, to, to to put over Crystal Palace. So yeah, I, I expected them. I still expected them to win, but I was I was a little bit surprised. Um, so yeah, the game. I mean, it it's a little bit of a blur because obviously with the Villa game just gone, you sort of kind of forgotten about that. Um, and I think this is why I've sort of the thumbnail is kind of like two sides of our take because this was the bad side. I mean. After the goal, we got so Aubameyang, uh, Pepe had sort of a shot cross, um, was saved, and then uh, Aubameyang had gone to the rebound. It was pretty good. I think for the first twenty minutes, it was pretty decent. And then, like you know, everyone spoke about it was just it was just really poor. After that, I think that we weren't brilliant on the night, and we were quite lucky, in fact, to get the point really because Vieira. Vieira's done really well at Palace. He shocked me because he wasn't. He was okay in France. He wasn't particularly brilliant. But I guess the thing with Vieira is that Palace, I wouldn't say it's his level, but it's a good place for him to go to get a job because he's kind of got nothing to lose. If he does well, you know, people will look at him in a different light. If he doesn't, he can move on. They'll find another job. Like it's not, it's not like kind of the Ollie situation now, um, where. You know, Ollie's winning such a big, high-profile job in the Man United job that if he loses it, which he may do, um, he can go. You know, he, he, I don't know whether he'll be able to get a really good job like this ever again. Whereas, if he ever fails, he can probably get another job similar down the line. Even I think even Lampard, to a degree, could do this, even though he's at Chelsea, because I think Lampard's earned the respect of his peers whilst being at Derby, and I, I don't know whether Ollie's actually done that. Which is surprising considering they finished, I believe, second last year. But at the same time, if you look at their squad, I know I've gone a bit of a tangent here, but 
you look at their squad mate United, like he should be doing much more. Even now, they should be doing much more. You know, they drew against a really bad Everton. Well, not a bad Everton team, but an average Everton team. And, you know, they've just been poor ever since. So, that's, you know, go over regards to But to go back to Vieira, he, you know, I don't, there's no really pressure on him, you know, in his first year particularly, but he's done really well. I've really enjoyed Palace. I love their transfer window this season. I thought it was brilliant. Um, it's just it's just a nice direction. I think Palace have got this sort of like hold on the championship players, the good ones, really well. I think they they have a good eye for talent. Um, you know, I was quite jealous of the Elise signing because I know, even though I don't know if he, I don't think he'd ever come to Arsenal right now. He's such a good talent. He's got bags of potential. Players like that and. The centre back they signed from Chelsea, he's highly rated. So they had a pretty decent transfer window, but yeah, they were decent. They were, uh, they didn't have you know Zaha and Ize on that night as well, which I think add, added to the frustration of the you know Arsenal fans. I couldn't start off because it was like, well, Benteke's been poor, and now he he's having a little bit of resurgence, but you know, past couple of years he's been pretty pretty poor, and. Really, is a team Arsenal should have, should be in, but I think there was just some really bad performances that night, which culminated in the the performance itself. Like, I love him, I love him to death, I uh, love him to death. I think he's been fantastic since he's joined. But I think Tommy Osu had quite a bad game, just heavy touches. I think he was a bit. I don't know. I think maybe it was sort of the first real test in a way because it was such a rugged, you know, tough game. I think it was just one of those things where he's still very young, you have to learn, and this is one of the learning processes. I think I think Tierney had a poor game. Now, something that's very interesting about Tierney is that with Tierney now, he has competition. We didn't really have that last year. So, and as we, we were talking about later in the podcast, in the, the Villa game, um, you know, I know, I know he was injured, I know he was injured in that game, but at the same time, you know, Tierney, if he's not playing well, he'll be hooked. He has to be hooked. And that has to go for everybody. And I think I spoke about it last week on the podcast. Is like one of the biggest problems Arsenal has is that because of the lack of quality and depth that the substitution, substitutes have, it allows kind of players to be a little less... Well, not resilient, but they don't have to work as hard. Like a Batman knows he's always got his place, but now, you know, Lacazette is a kind of, I think, saw that and you know, he's working hard to get into the team. And I think a load of players have now. Like Odegaard, he, I love him. I think he was the right signing in the summer, but he's been, he was poor against Villa and he got hooked. Uh, uh, poor against um, Palace and he got hooked. Now, I do think there's some reasons for that, but at the same time, you know, if you're poor, you're hooked. And this is what Arsenal need, and this is why they desperately, not just because Xhaka is injured, but they need another midfielder, I think, in uh, January. Not sure who they're going to go for. I'm praying it's Bruno Guimaraes, because I think he's a quality player, I think he suits the age Arsenal can sign, I think he's, you know, we've wanted him before, so I just think there's a lot of things that could go right for that transfer. Now, Leon, 
is a different beast when it comes to negotiations. So I don't know if that will actually happen. But it need, someone of his calibre needs to happen because no midfielder signing in January would be insane to me. But at the same time, they do need to get the transfer right. They can't just be signing you know, anyone, really. But who knows? You know, I've heard some rumours that Jesse Lingard is another one they're interested in, and it's just like, is that the right call? Is that the right guy? You know. But we'll see. You know, January is not that far right away now, so they've got time to think. But there'll be business done in January. You know, Arteta is the most backed Arsenal manager I can remember, and. They've got to get, you've got to get these transfers right, you know. Arteta's not an experienced pro here. Now, I'm not excusing that, but I'm saying from the club's perspective, they can't mess him about like they did after the FA Cup win, you know. They can't just give him William, even though he won. You know, I'm making a little bit of an excuse, but you get what I'm saying. Like, they can't mess about with these transfer windows. But to be fair, I don't think they have. You know, I don't think they have. The goals that I think Palace scored were were just result of their own downfall. It, it really did remind me of that period between Bur- the Burnley game and away and a couple of hours after that where we just kept giving the fucking ball away. Ceballos, Leno, it's just, it was so poor. Partey, you know, was really poor. And he got punished, and rightly so, and it was kind of... And the Congo, I felt quite bad because he knew he didn't have a brilliant game and he was partly one of the mistakes with the goal. But he knew that and what we'll talk about in the next, you know, later bit of the podcast is that a lot of these players, a lot of these younger players understood the mistakes, you know, and it's it very interesting to me because I wanna say Arteta's on a knife edge, but I think there's a lot of people there's a lot of tension with Arteta. People don't want to see these poor performances. You know, and I think the fans you know, besides a lot of the Twitter fans, I think a lot of the fans in the stadium still back him, in a way. I mean, you don't get the sense that Arteta, with the fans, is on a knife edge, if that makes sense, you know. There's not like they're booing him, and, you know, it's, it's sort of like, okay, we, we understand. Whether that's a right or wrong thing is up to you, but I think that's just looking at the Emirates, looking at the fans... That's the perspective I get because I think they understand certain things that they're trying to do. I think a lot of fans are a lot smarter than I think they're giving credit for sometimes, and I think this is one of the cases. The equaliser, um, very interesting. I think Lacazette is such an interesting character. I think as much as you know, he's very frustrating to watch because I said you know last week or whenever I did this podcast, I, I think he was on his way out in January because he was just getting more minutes, you know, which is surprising because despite his flaws, Lacazette can be a very quality player when he wants to be. And this was an example. He came on and he really changed the game, I think, for Arsenal. I think he was really, him and Lac- him and Aubameyang really do have a good understanding of each other despite, you know, sometimes how poor they can be when they play together. And I think... There's a part of me that kind of thinks with Arteta, if he, you know, we're moving, I'll go a little bit forward, if they go with this 4-4-2 they did against Palace, that they could end up both playing together again. You know, I think maybe, I think the future is Odegaard, but I think you have to, you know, you have to deem the right of the players. If they play well, they have to stay. 
And I think if Lacazette and Aubameyang can keep this momentum, you know, I think they'll stick playing together now. Now, Leicester is an interesting game next week because they're in decent form again. They've been playing well. But at the same time, I think... I think about that Odegaard performance last season at Leicester a lot because it was one of the best performances as long as William. So I'm not particularly sure what lineup they'll do. I don't know if they'll go with this 4-4-2, although it seems to be this 4-4-2 sort of shape. Um, it's been, it was really good about against three-backs, you know. That's one of the issues that Arteta struggled with. And Leicester have been playing a three-back, so... It's, it'd be a very interesting lineup. I don't think it'll be as straightforward as we think because Odegaard wasn't playing mainly due to an injury, according to one of the Norwegian journalists. So we'll have to see. I mean, I think uh, he's been poor, but at the same time, I don't think he's been as bad as people think Odegaard. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Right. The Villa game. We're moving on to the Villa game, the recent game. Um, I thought I'd touch briefly on the Palace game because obviously I haven't done that episode and to be fair there was a lot to talk about in that that Palace game but I wanted to go over it very very briefly just because first of all it's gone now and my memory's pretty bad so <laughs> I can't remember all the little bits but no with um, with the with the Villa game I think this was a really significant game for Arteta and Arsenal in general because I don't want to say storyline but there was just a lot of situations within that sort of game that I think were very interesting. You know, you had Martinez back at the Emirates for the first time since he left and I, I'm not surprised he got booed. I'm really not. I, I, I'm really not surprised he got booed. I think the way he's handled leaving Arsenal has been just pretty pathetic in a way. Like Martinez, tremendous servant, I think he's been great for he's great for Arsenal in that period. I think he deserves a lot of credit and fair play to him. He's gone to Palace He's gone to Palace. He's gone to Villa, and he's really just become one of the best goalies in the league. And I have to credit him. And now, was it a mistake to sell him? Yeah, most likely. But these things happen, you know. It's just it, sometimes it happens in football. And yes, I can get bemoaned about the price and whatnot, but it's gone now. It's happened, you know. It's and it, it's a very aggregate. I was listening to us to the. Uh, Arsecasts yesterday because I always enjoy their podcasts, especially when we win. And they made a point that I thought was very interesting. So I think this wasn't really about Martinez, more it was for the love and admiration for Aaron Ramsdale. And so that that was the sort of scenario in that. And then you had Bondia, who's very heavily linked to Arsenal. He was playing against us. He's been on on and off for Villa. You know, I've I've tried to watch as much sort of stuff that Villa do. Because I think they're a very fascinating team, especially after the Grealish sale. And he's been on and off, you know. Uh, you had Emil Smith-Rowe, not for Villa, but for us. And Villa were very close to buying him this summer. They really tried. They wanted him as the Grealish replacement. And as you will see in this game, you can understand why. <laughs> so you had lots of different things going on, you know. Um it's just, it, not only, obviously, because a win's a win, so it's important that we needed to win, but this was a big game. I think Villa and their fandom sort of believe that they're close to Arsenal when the reality is that Arsenal, even Arsenal at their worst, will always be better than Villa at their best. 
simple as that, you know. I mean, look at last season, example. We were, we had our probably worst season in a long, long time, you know. And this was last season was apparently really, really good, and we still were ahead of them, I believe. I bet I bet check that right now before they look absolute cock, but I'm pretty sure that we were ahead of them last season on the table, and that that really you know that speaks to me just as for, you know as a fan because that was you know that was Arsenal's worst season by a long way, and you know they still couldn't beat us. You know we finished eighth that season, considering that horrendous one in December, so. Might have been Villa finished eleventh, you know. Everton have finished above them, and they're Everton, you know. No disrespect, but Everton will always be that club to me. That you know, there's there's nothing, you know. There's just nothing. So you have to put in perspective these things, you know. It's ludicrous to me, even when we're in our probably one of our worst states we've ever been in. That you know, I was, oh, they're not a big club anymore. No, no, no. It's like we've always been a massive club, always. People, players will always want to come up to Arsenal, whether it's a London thing or whatever. You know, Arsenal is a huge club, humongous club. You know, and it's just it's, some of it is ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. So I think there's just a lot of that from both sides of the fandom. You know, people Villa thought they were. So, it was amazing to me that summer because even though they were selling their best player. They still felt the need to chat, and you know, I'm I'm hoping that after this game that that chat ever stops because it's just like, come on, man, you're you're Aston Villa, you're Aston Villa. But I digress. Um, the game, the lineup was was interesting. It was a very interesting lineup just because of a lot of stuff happened. There. Tierney was out injured. The Conga started, and Lacazette was in the squad instead of Odegaard. And, and Pepe was out as well, so it was it was a lot of different rotation and it's Pepe. I worry for him. I worry for him because our best performances this season have come with him not playing, and I kind of think that's the writing on the wall for him. I really do. I think his time is slowly coming up because I think in the summer he's got two years left. I believe he's he's not got long left, and they've got to make a decision. And I think that decision will be to sell now. God knows where he goes. I think he'll, I think he'll go to Syria. I don't know where, but I could see one of the clubs, big clubs, going for him because I I, I still think, oh, he's still a quality player, Pepe. I just sometimes the shoe doesn't fit the foot. Do you know what I mean? Like it just it just doesn't, you know. And he's one of those players I don't know if it's ever fitted. I don't know if the playstyle is fitted. I don't know if it's you know, it's not being set on this country, and it's a shame because I'm his. I'm I, you know I'm a fan. I like the the original Pepe when he came in. The 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 player they brought the couple you know. I love that version of Pepe. This Pepe is a bit more disciplined, and I understand why because of the nature of Miko Arteta and where the club is at the moment. But I love. My favorite, one of my favorite ever Pepe performances, even though he didn't score, or we didn't even win that game, was the one against Liverpool when he played in up front in the two. I love that performance because it was everything that I think we signed him for, you know, in that performance against such a quality opponent in Liverpool, you know, in that Liverpool season where they were just, 
it's a shame. It's a big, big shame because I think he's got so much more to offer. So we'll have to see what happens to him. But I think the Warriors are all for him. Um, we had the Premier League debut of Nuno Tavares. I think he was, you know, a very interesting signing. Even though I had Tom tell me he was terrible. <laughs> Passionately telling me he's terrible, and I do listen to him because he's. Uh, I think he's. I think Tom is in Port. He lives in Portugal. I'm not sure. I'm. Just, I'm being stupid. If you listen to Tom, I'm sorry, but yeah, uh, he told me you know so much. He wasn't that good, and um, I, I, I did. I knew though for seven million for player of his physicality that he could definitely be coached into a good player because. They're still at that age where they can still adapt, you know. Not everyone is a Phil Foden. Not everybody is a uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, Mason Mount. Those, you know, young, quality, quality players already. Players take time to, to blossom. I mean, look at Andy Martinez. You know, he's 29, I think. And he's now become one of the best goalkeepers in the league when no one really cared for him a couple of years ago. It happens, you know. It's just a natural thing of life. Sometimes your time comes, sometimes it doesn't. But at the end of the day... You'll have that moment, you know, potentially to show who you are. And I think, you know, Tavares has got the qualities to get that quickly because I saw a video yesterday which was very interesting. His size, you know, I'm obsessed with physicality because I think if you're a professional player, you can adapt to anything. And I think a lot of it comes down to presence, ability, and, you know, your physicality as a player. I mean, I think that's why I love Traore, Adam Traore, because technically he's got so much to offer, and he's just a ridiculous player, ridiculous. Some of the stuff he can do for his size is it, 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 extraordinary, you know. He's an extraordinary player, now I'm going off a little bit, but you see the point I'm making, you know. He's such a unique player. I'm shocked that no one's picked him up yet, because, God, if Chelsea would have brought him, my goodness, Tuka would have coached him into... Probably the best winger in the league, besides Salah. I mean, he's just crazy, absolutely crazy, that man. I hope somebody really takes a gamble on him soon, but I, I digress, I digress. But yeah, Nuno Tavares, very interesting choice here. Um, sort of that wing-back, the way especially we played in that that game, essentially a wing-back, um, great pace. I mean, when Aubameyang and Emile Smith-Rowe got the ball, he was just... Bombing, just, just down that left side. Just crazy, crazy, crazy pace. And I thought he had a tremendous, tremendous game. Um, I understand the calls for, as we'll talk, or talk about in a minute, for Emil Smith-Rowe to be man of the match because you know, goal and assist, he was tremendous. He tore up Mings. And I think he was amazing. Know that game, but Nuno Tavares, I think, deserves a lot of credit. I think for that game as well, because he was just there's times in that game where he was unplayable. Right? He was timing. It's, it's there was a pass he did to Saka who should have scored. He it was just so good. It was just such a well, I'd say it was disguised, but like Aubameyang did such a good job in that as well. It's just calls across to him, and yeah, I mean, I think he did a tremendous, tremendous job, and really just. Crane, such a good overload with a Bamiyan and Emil Smith-Rowe on that side. Full credits to him. Full credits to him. Let's talk about the first goal. Um, 
you know, I could speak about, like I said, but, you know, I briefed on it earlier, the first girl, the first girl. Now, I couldn't be more happy for Thomas Partey. Um, he's my, he's, if I mean, if you know, if you ask me, he's the best, one of, if not the best player for Arsenal. Well, not, I don't know. I, I am very biased because I love Thomas Partey. I loved him before he came to Arsenal. I still love him now. I think, I'm very, my heart goes towards that Man United performance at Old Trafford because it was one of the best midfield performances I've ever seen from an Arsenal player, period. He tore up that game against United and ever since then I've always had the soft spot for him. Um, and I, I just think he's a great, great player. And I was just so happy for him. He's been waiting so long for a goal. Now, <laughs> was Tid Martinez make a meal of that? Yes. I think he did. I think Lacazette was very clever in that goal. He sort of blindsided it but kept on side and full credit to him because it was you know, that's good movement from Lacazette, you know, and it was just it very worked on set piece, you know. Set piece goal. A goal from a set piece. I never thought I'd see the day. My goodness me. I never thought I'd see the day. But yeah, like Thomas Partey got a header or shoulder and one now and very deserved. He hit the bar very, very just before that, and he was he was coming close and close. That shot he took against Palace last week, I thought that was it. I thought he was scoring that. He oh, so unlucky, so unlucky. So couldn't be couldn't be happier for him. I think maybe the, I hope this is the start of goals from Thomas Partey. I hope this is like some trigger because you know I've just been waiting so long and. It, I know like, it was a bit of tension towards the end of the game, but I kind of thought that at that point, you know, he was, he was definitely, it, we were definitely winning. It was almost like a good luck, luck thing. So, very happy for him. Very happy. Lovely. The next girl. The next girl. So, just before half-time, literally, literally just before half-time, uh, we had an opportunity, second brought it back, uh, I don't know if he touched it, but it sort of went out in the middle of the, the box. Like I said, got a touch, and uh, I believe Matt, Matt Target? I believe that's his name. Something Target. I think it's Matt. I, uh, God, I don't know. I, I believe it's Matt. Um, he uh, came behind him, cropped him, basically, and went to VAR, and it was a penalty. I think it was a penalty. I know... It's hard because I think it was soft, really. But at the same time, I think it's a little reckless from that target. Um, because, you know, you shouldn't just do that. You know, like I said, it wasn't really... There was enough Villa bodies, I think, there to sort of get that away. Um, so I think it was reckless. You know, as much as I think it was soft, I also think it was a bit reckless from him. So, uh, you know, VAR did its job and... They've been very impressive VAR this season. Um, it's just gotten a lot of decisions right. It's not taken long. and It's interesting. I watched League One, um, and a lot of decisions they take take a lot longer now. It's almost like the roles were reversed, but you know, VAR's been very good this season. So, Aubameyang takes the penalty, which is very interesting, because um, the, the kick takers, I, I think, like I said, it's the best penalty taker in in the club, but all the, you know, at the same time, I understand that about me as captain, you know, so he took the penalty. Martinez with an excellent save, 
I mean, he was quite unlucky. But at the same time, he can hold that. You know, he can hold it. He can hold that, as I said, in the office. He can hold that. So. <laughs> he can hold it. He can hold that. Um, but yeah, no. Got the rebound. 2-0. Fairly deserved. Like, this is one of the best performances, you know, of the Arte Herrera. One of the best ones. Um, fully deserved the 2-0. And, you know, Half time for two now. The XG was incredible. I mean, zero point zero zero for Villa, who did really nothing. Ramsdale didn't really have to do much that half, and you know his kicking. You know, we talk about Ramsdale for a little bit. His kicking was really good again. Last, well, not last night, but the game. Um, Ramsdale's just as I you know, mentioned before, he's really impressed me. And there was a question on Twitter um, talking about who they think has been the best player of the season, and I would say Ramsdale. As much as I think Gabriel's been incredible, Ramsdale deserves so much credit for coming in and being a big part of a lot of these wins. You know, he's been really good and he's he's, he's humbled me and he's he should humble the majority of that fan base because when he came in, people were like, oh, no, no, no. And he's just done really well. And I hope it continues, you know, because I would love to see England's number one be Ramsdale. You know, especially in the future, because he's got the age, and he's he's got so much that he can still do. I think the signing was in, you know, very unlike Arsenal. This signing, but that's why I think I love it so much because they took a big risk, and the scouting was good. The scouting was really good, and as long as he progresses and you know, keeps keeps going forward. But his kicking's been really good. His shot stopping's been really good. The goal they scored, you know, I'm not jumping a little ahead now, but the goal they scored, Villa, nothing he can do about it. You know, maybe the Palace one, 50-50. I think it was sort of a deflection. I think he was quite unlucky last week. But, no, um, he's been he's been really, really good um, since he's come in. So, fair play to him. But, yeah. Um, second half, we're going to the third goal. Was it? Yeah, it was the third goal. It was the third goal. I'm trying to remember if they scored and then we scored, but it was the third goal. Emil Smith Rowe, once again, has been so good, really impressive. His his fitness seems to be a lot better. You know, one of the things that a lot of people seem to forget about Emil Smith Rowe is that when he came in to the uh, to the, one of the issues that he had was that he had a real problem staying fit and staying. You know, he was a little bit injury prone, but he seems to have slowly gotten that out of his game. You know, it's very early times, but he's done really well in terms of being able to stay on course um, and not, you know, he hasn't been injured in a long time, so fingers crossed. And I still think we need a winger, I think, as a backup for him, because I don't think, I don't like Saka at left wing, and I you know, Pepe left wing is okay, but it's it's not it's it's not either. You know, it's not either. So I think a backup left winger um, is needed. I've mentioned a couple of days ago that I think Luis Diaz would be an incredible signing. No, I don't think he'll. I don't think we're we're signing. I don't even think he's a target. Um, but he's really impressed me um, since really last year. Last year after the I sort of took an eye when 
you know, Porto played in Man City and he scored like a really incredible solo goal. I think he's got incredible potential now. Is Martinelli the backup left winger? I don't know. I would, I loved his cameo when he came on against Palace. To be fair, um, but is he the backup left winger? I don't know. I'm still kind of adamant Martinelli needs some sort of line, but at the same time, you know, more attackers is not a bad thing. I don't think I'm not sure about Lang. I love the look of him. I think he's got a lot of potential and talent, but I don't know whether England and Arsenal is the right move for him. You know, um, it's just, something's missing. I don't know if it's just because he's a bit smaller or. I don't know. There's something missing about him. He's very young still, so we'll have to see. He does seem like a target, though. Like um, uh, the you know the Belgium, I can't remember what it's called, but O twenty four, something like that. You know they reported it and they reported the Congo first, and I I think they're pretty good source, and I kind of get the impression something will happen with Lang if we target him. So we'll have to see, but. Early days, early days, yeah. But going back to Emilsford Pro, I think he was incredible in the night. He's he's really growing as a player. He's growing into that ten shirt. Um, if you, you know, if you think it like that, he's just really coming into his own. Um, I really like him, just as a player in general. And I think with Emil, I think there's just there's so much to go with him. I think um, we haven't seen the best of him yet, so we'll have to see. Uh, if this is a bit quiet, I'll have to fix this post <laughs> post post commentary. But we we'll have to we we'll have to see. Uh, but yeah, no, he's been really good, and the goal he scored was a little lucky, a little lucky. But at the same time, I think um, he deserved it as well. Really good, and just oh, it was so good to see Martinez get humbled by that. <laughs> Three goals, and who scored to put him on the best, you know, top rating? Absolute ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. But we digress, we digress. Yeah, and then the last bit was, you know, the goal from Jacob Ramsey. Um, he had a pretty decent cameo when he came on. I mean, Villa were quite poor that game as well. Brendan was anonymous, apart from one chance, and Danny Ings, Danny Ings, and Ollie Watkins. T- do not have a good chemistry. At least when I've watched them, I've watched them a couple of times, and they don't seem to work together. You know, I don't. I I think it's very hard for two strikers, especially in the Premier League, to work well together. I mean, I don't know the last time that's really happened. I mean, even in Chelsea's setup, you know, Lukaku and Havertz and Werner, it's not really traditional to striker. Formation, so I think it's very hard for two strikers to work. Even like Zet and Bamian, you know, they were good tonight, but they previously when they've played together, they've not been very good together. So it's hard. It's a hard one, but they don't seem to have any good chemistry. I think the best sign in that you know, Villa have made, and I was shocked. I don't think he started the game. It was Leon Bailey. He's he, he came on and he definitely made an impact because as soon as he came on, Villa were a lot better. But I was quite surprised. Um, I thought that he would do a lot more. Um, so we'll have to see when it comes to that team and how they develop. But they were pretty poor on the night. I like McGinn. I think if you had to tell, ask me who's my favourite Villa player, 
I'd definitely say John McGinn. I think he's he's got something about him. Um, I don't know if he'd ever move, but I think he's definitely got a lot of talent, that, that, that guy. So I think he was one of our better players on the night. But yeah, Jacob Ramsey was a brilliant strike. Poor defending. I think Patsy and Lakonga pulled out. And as soon as, goal, <laughs> as soon as the goal went in, Ramsey was just like, ah, going mental. And rightly so. Because they were really, it was just poor. But it was a brilliant hit. Nothing he could have done. I mean, as perfect as a strike you want, you want to get. But they got that and it sort of got a bit nervy because right after that there was a chance they had where White, who was tremendous on the night, I didn't even talk about Ben White at all in this podcast, yet, but he was really good in that game. And him and Gabriel just shocked me as a partnership. I didn't think, um, I didn't think as a partnership they would, I thought it would take a lot longer to settle, but you know, I think it's credit to Gabriel. He's really, he's come a long way, even you know, as good as he was when he debuted. I, I think he's been really, really good. I think him and White are become one of the best partnerships in the league, to be quite honest with you. Um, so fair play. I mean, fair, fair play. But yeah, it was just good at nothing to do. And then it's a bit nervy, but fully deserved the three points. Um, Dean Smith was moaning, but my goodness me, he moans all the time, that bloke. So I wasn't shocked about that at all. He's moaning about the penalty decision. Just, yeah, I just don't like him. I think he's an average manager, to be honest with you. I think he's just, I don't know, just nothing really. Just nothing. So, good three points. Um, when we move on, you know, Leicester will be a hard game. It'll be probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest set so far this season. Um, if we could see it being a draw. As much as I think Leicester have been a little bit better, um, they've still been pretty poor this season. You know, I think it's the James Madison Odegaard story next week. I think that's the story going into that game. I think I don't know why. It's just it, for me it, personally. For me, it's because I, you know, I think Madison is quite overrated, and I've made my views very clear on that. <laughs> so, but you know, that's why I think it will it will be next week. You know, so. Who will start, like I said, Aubameyang, both, who knows, you know. Um, but it's a must-win game. It's a must It's one of those games for Arsenal they need to win. They won last year away at Leicester. Twice, actually, because they beat them in the Cup as well. So it's not a uh, lose game, I think, for Arteta automatically. You know, I think it's a game that they could definitely win. And they should win, you know. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know. I, I, it's a young team, remember, so... so Games like this, you know, they might struggle. So it's fully expected, but at the same time, I think they've got a lot they can do um, next week against Leicester. You know, I think, I've got a feeling we had a Mills from Mifferon play really, really well. Um, I think Saka will have one of those games next week where it's like, oh yeah, Saka, he's, he's the man, you know. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Doing any time best time of the week last <laughs> five days ago i just been so so busy uh, I had a job interview we'll get it next time sort of thing but no, I had that um, so I've been I've been very very busy last couple of days so I, I apologise but we're here so it, the questions might be a little because this was right after the Palace game so might be but there's a lot of it's not just about Palace this, game, this Q&A so 
Um, so there's just all sorts of different questions. Um, the first question, this guy from uh, from account from Adam at AFC Shaka. Well known. Uh, he said, if this form continues, how much time do you think that has left? Now, obviously, the the reaction after the Palace game wasn't great, but I think. I'm not sure. Arteta is such a weird one because he has, when he plays well, when we play well, when we when we have games like the Villa game, all you want is consistency because I think people don't, I think people want change, but at the same time I think people just want to see the team do well and I'm in that boat. I, after that game I wanted him to go. It was very much like he needs to go now because it was just bad. It was just bad performance. Um, but I think... I don't know. I'm not sure what they're going to do. You know, I I, I think they're going to keep him for the, for the next couple of years. I don't think he's going to go to, go anywhere. So, you know, because I think they sort of see this the board as like a slow process. But because the thing is, the the problem the problem is sort of the middle ground is that whilst we've been, we've finished eighth twice now, um, the signings have been good, you know, and I think the kind of thinking from the board is that. Okay, the more he he'll get his signings, the more the team will evolve. And I think the big sort of question is that the striker, because the striker is the only position now we've not seen any real purchases from Arteta. You know, obviously we had William, but you know that sort of flopped, and we've not seen a number nine signing from Arteta. What is Arteta's number nine signing? Is he going to go the false nine route? Is he going to go for a traditional number nine? It'll be very interesting. I think that's kind of the thing that, at least, keeping an open mind, I want to see because, you know, we don't know. There was a lot of Isaac rumors in the summer. I don't think that will happen. Tammy Abraham was a big one this summer. Uh, oh God, I can't say his name. He plays for Fiorentina Fiovic. Fiovic. I can't. I can't say his name. But he was linked. Uh, Lotaro Martinez, who I don't think would come now, but he was linked. There's a lot of interesting options, I think. And next summer, there'll be much more. So, I think they're waiting to see that. But they've given him such a... So much as well. Um, I think it's I think it's hard. I think it's a hard one to... To... Call right now. Um, the next question is from another guy called Adam. He goes... Oh, at AFC underscore Adam 7. He goes... Who are the top ten footballers in the world right now? Now, it's hard for me to to say that because it's just this. You know, who do you say? But if you had to say to me right now, who's the best footballer in the world? It's Mohamed Salah. Mohamed Salah. I think he's been so brilliant this season. Even last season, even in Liverpool's worst season, he was fantastic. I think he's. I think he's just by far the best player in the world. No contest. I think he's just unbelievable, unbelievable. And I think, you know, this he's pushing for a really late Ballon d'Or, really late Ballon d'Or. So we'll have to see. But in terms of the best, I think he's the best one right now. Um, so thank you for the question. Um, the the next question is from Roberto at Roberto Five L. Top five worst players of the Emirates era. Um, oh God. There's been so many of them. <laughs> uh, I think if you had to say to me the worst player 
in the Emirates era, I very much would probably say Danny Ceballos because I've never seen a player get me that angry than him. God, you know, God bless him. He sent a very nice message to, to when he left, but I've never seen a, I've never seen a player that made me more angry than him. <laughs> and I think overall, kind of the disappointment in him is a little, you know, one of those things that's kind of upsetting as well. It's like we signed him. You know, I remember when we signed him, everyone was excited. I was really excited. And, it just hasn't clicked for him, you know. He's he's like La Celso, but he was on the loan, basically. That's how I look at him as. And uh, although he had some very good moments, I think from a perspective of what player made me the most angry, it's probably him now. I'm probably forgetting a lot of names, but that was the first one that came to my head, I'm honest with you. Um, I don't think. Um, I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind. I've had a little think. And I've changed my mind. The answer is Mustafi. <laughs> Sorry, Sabayas, you take number two. It has to be Mustafi. For number one, the price we signed him for, the years he stayed, the performances, the late performances and the performances near the end of his deal. One of the worst. One of the worst. I love to see the, the, the thing is for me when you, this question is like. Yes, I could pick the worst, worst players, but at the same time, I need to put players that were significant to us on this Emirates era. And I think he's one of them that's really significant. He was there for a while, and was just absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. I, I, no sympathy for me. I think he was crap beyond belief. So, we'd have to see, but I, I he's, he's not. He ain't good. He ain't good, man. He ain't good. So, if you had to ask me, it's probably Mustafi. Next question is from at NE. He's got, I think he's got Peru country on his name. At P3 Cheetos. It's PME Nation. Respect. Part of the PME Nation. Um, Favourite food? Uh, not fish and chips. I did have some fish and chips yesterday. It was very nice. Um, had to keep it simple, probably probably just pizza. I know I was on a diet, but that lasted like three days because I realised that after a while that I love myself, I already have a lovely partner. It's I don't I don't need I don't need a six pack, I just I just love pizza so much. So it is what it is. The next question is from uh, Ethan underscore username. He said Pepe sell this season or the next like I said, I think he's, I think he's off soon. If we play like this without him, I think Atleti will see, you know, he's not necessarily needed. So we'll have to see. But it's quite sad. But I, I, I hope, I hope he turns it around. I hope he turns it around. The next question is from my good man Tom or Love at Sam Life, with an O, with zero, zero no, my guy. He says. Who's your most underrated wrestler of all time? Um, oh, oh, that's a hard question. That's a hard question. Um, okay, I'm gonna have a little think about this. How to think? And it's actually been a very hard question. I had, I had a, a little while to think about it, but it would probably the first name came to my head, and it's kind of the name that's not left it is Carlita. 
I just love the gimmick. I think he was. I think he looked cool. I think when he first came in, I think his storyline with Cena was really interesting. Bit crazy, but I thought it was really really cool. I'd probably say Carlito. Yeah, spit in the face with my cool. That's cool gimmick, man. Cool gimmick. Um, the next question is from AFC Patrick. He says, "At what point does Arta have to go?" Um, I think. It's hard. It's it's a hard one, I think, for some people because people would want to get rid of him now. But I think um, I think I think if he does progressively worse overall finish this season, and if a big mutiny strikes, but I I don't I think honestly I know this is a bit of a weird reason, but I think because of the Amazon documentary, I think he'll stay. I really do. I don't think Arsenal as a club want to see their manager get sacked on a documentary. So, I have to see. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the next question is from my guy Salmon at Santa... Oh, I'm not saying they're out, mate. Jesus. But, he said... I, I will. It's Sant Zero R Ryu. He says, top five players of the Emirates era. Um, number one, Fabgas. Undoubtedly, Fabregas. I think he was incredible for us. Number two and number three. Number two would be Ozil. I'm an Ozil fan. I think he came at a really important point in Arsenal's sort of status as a club. And, you know, he deserves a lot of credit uh, for helping them get their first trophy in like nine years or whatever it was. Um, number three would be Sanchez. Again, just on his day, unbelievable footballer. Uh, number four, um, I want to include Nazareth, but I don't like Nazareth at the same time. Um, who would I include as number four? Um, it's hard, there's just been so many players now. It's 15 years at the Emirates, you know, it's been a long time. I think number four would go with Bamiang, Um because Aubameyang... Is a big part of why we won that cup. He's, you know, he's done tremendously well since he's joined Arsenal, uh, and I think he's one of the best players the club's ever had. Really, I think he deserves more credit than he gets. So I think probably Aubameyang number four, and then I'd probably go Ramsey number five. But it's it's a hard list. It's a hard list. It's not really. I'd have to think of an order, but those are the first five I could really think of so we'll have to see we'll have to see but who knows Millsmith Row Saka they could all be there just a matter of time just a matter of time the next question is from I think I think I answered a similar question to this actually yeah it's like uh, that's you know the next question is from uh, Rabbi at Rabbi AFC because all-time top 10 football players um, I've got, I, I can never do a top 10, but I could definitely give you a top 3. Uh, so you've got Henri, you've got Ronaldo, um, Brazilian Ronaldo. I've always loved him. He's incredible talent. Um, number 3. Uh, who's my number 3? Messi. Messi. It has to be Messi. Again, this isn't any order. I'd have to think of the order, but my 3 on top of my head... Henri, Ronaldo, Messi, that has to be my top three. So, um, <laughs> I couldn't do a top ten. I'd be here forever, man. But those are my three. 
I'd have to say. Next question is from my guy Curran at Curran BOP. Um, my man, he says, how did you find your first experience watching the NBA? Um, yes, I, was, I watched the NBA for the first time. Because <laughs> everyone, uh, there's a couple, uh, a couple of people in AA that watches the NBA, and I was like, oh, I'll get into it. Because I do like basketball you know, when I play it, so I was like, I'll give it a watch. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. You know, There was a lot of things that were just making me laugh more than anything, like the fact that at half-time or the end of the second quarter, I believe, they interviewed the head coaches, and I just thought, like, imagine how they're doing that. <laughs> My goodness, mate. They were kind of pushing that in the Super League, actually. They were pushing for that sort of thing to happen. I just think it'd be ridiculous. Um, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, I still haven't picked a team. I was very close to picking Lakers this week, because I love the kits, but I'm not sure. You know, I love Genus. Jenis, I can't say his name, for the Bucks. Many a bit biased because he's an Arsenal fan, but I really enjoyed that that game I watched. Um, you know, Chile said to me, "Pick the team, uh, the, the standard player," and he also said, "Pick it with the best star." I was like, "I'm a casual man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know these things. How am I meant to know? How am I meant to know?" So early days. It'd be early, early days. So we have to see. The next question is. Uh, from at tired AF mate, he says, PME Nation, how does it feel to have the nation's youth looking up to you? I, it feels very honourable. Um, I appreciate the love and support. I love everybody. So, it's it's a lovely thing, my friend. It's a lovely thing. The next <laughs> the next question is from Kian, my guy, at Kian underscore, underscore, underscore. My guy, all love, he says, who's the worst person to get bricked by in AA? Um, has to be Zach. If I get bricked by Zach, it's like, oof. Oof. You know. You, you feel it. You feel it. You know, you feel it inside. So, definitely Zach, you know. Definitely Zach. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely Zach. 100% has to be Zach. Has to be. Has to be. My goodness. My goodness. The next question is from at AFC Fair. He goes, if you were a player, would you rather score a last-minute winner or bag a hat-trick? Um, probably bag a hat-trick, just because you get to keep the ball. Last-minute winner is cool, but it also means that your team has been shit, and you have to score in the last minute to win. So, I'd probably get a hat-trick. Hat-trick, yeah. Uh, the next question is from at Hark AFC. He goes, how was your work? Uh, work? Week. How was your week? Um, in a word, very busy. Very annoying, but we move, we move. Um, so thank you, thank you for all the questions. Um, the next question is from uh, at Santi Magic. He goes, "What made you decide to support Arsenal?" Well, um, I don't know really. I mean, I sort of, I'm an old man, right? I'm an older man, so I remember us when we were really good. I remember I was brought uh, an Arsenal kit uh, when. Like in 2006, when I was a little kid, really, really small child, um, the one after the Invincible season, and I think just after, I just, they just buy you a kit. My family, a lot of it's North London as well, so I think that comes into it. Um, so I'd probably say that, but it's very unclear, you know, very unclear. Um, but that's, that is the reason, basically. <laughs> Thank you. 
next question is from a stranger's at since he sent this question. He goes, it's from uh, Huss, my guy Huss, at Lodrop10. Odegaard, free horror performances in a row. If we get rid of Arteta, do you think he's do you think he's got a long term future? I do because I think he's an incredible talent. I think he's going through a bad period right now. But you know, it's also you know not really necessarily a question about Odegaard. It's like, is the number ten in that format still fireable? And I think it is. I do think he needs to step up. Um, but I think he's. I think he definitely would be. I just don't know who we. It depends on who we bring in. You know, definitely, but I don't think so. I think he's an awesome, awesome talent, Odegaard. I, I'm a big fan. I get slated for it a lot, but I'll stick with him till he goes, to be honest with you. Um, so I don't think so, no. But thank you for the question. Next question is from at AFC Ferry. It says, who do you think Arsenal need to sign in January? Um, a winger and a midfielder. Don't know who that is. Probably Bruno Gamirash. It will most likely be Lang, I think, if we do do that. But I think we need to definitely be active, at least in January. Um, the next question is from at SHFootball. He's forced a new FIFA. Uh, I'm really good at it, so I can't really complain. I'm still trying to figure out what is the best team for me. Um, you know, I really would love to do eSport FIFA, but I'm not that good. Nor am I willing to spend thousands on the team, because I think it's unethical. But that's no, good. New FIFA is good. Definitely good. Thank you for the question. Uh, next question is from uh, Gustafio. I can't say his name. I love you, but I can't say your name. Um, at Gustafiano, what's your favourite Pokemon? Um, ooh. Um, oh, God. Who would I say is my favourite Pokemon? Um... I'm so bad with the names of Pokemon, that's the problem. Um, the legendary one in Pokemon Ruby, because I grew up on that game, so. Um, probably say that one. Terrible the names, but yeah, that one. Or, or Onyx. One of the two. Or Snorlax. It is what it is. Thank you for the question. Um, <laughs> the next question is from my guy Connor. Uh, off, off, uh, Art Hill Iru, Art Acasio at me. He goes, Thoughts on Mizzet Uzil, legend, love him. I think um, I've always been a big Uzil fan. You know, I think it's sad the way it ended from here at Arsenal, but I'll always be a big Uzil fan. You know, I think he's a great guy, despite what people say. I think a lot of the charity stuff he does is very admirable, deserves a lot more praise than he gets. Not just because he he does it, but I think at the same time it's a lovely thing to do. Um, so, uh, he's, he's my guy. I love Ozil. So yeah, definitely go for me. Definitely go. Uh, and the last question, uh, which is, a, is an interesting question because there was a lot of videos coming up this week about uh, these guys. Um, from, you know, your at kills me. You said it on Spaces the other day and I can't say it. Nuri, Nuri, Nurikan, Soul Twelve. God, I butchered that. I know. He goes. Thoughts on AFTV? Do you think they do more harm than good towards the club? Um. Interesting question. I've, I've always felt it's such a cop out answer. 
to blame AFTV, you know, for the, the downward spiral. Now, do you, do I think they go over the top with some of the video reactions? Yeah. But at the same time, uh, these are real fans, you know, these people that go to the grounds normally, and this is how they feel, you know. Do I think some, some people did go over the top? Yes, obviously. Um, but I can't blame AFTV for what they do, you know, the entertainment, trying to provide entertainment, you know, and I think we don't realise, sometimes Arsenal fans don't realise that, is that that's, you know, that's what they're trying to do, and I think it's just, it's just poor, you know, it's poor. like I saw a video this week of Ty getting abused, just, just, it's just rubbish, man, it's just crap, you know, the simple thing, right, in life, uh, with anything, is that if you don't like something that you're watching, just turn it off, ignore it, you know, trying to stop AFTV is bad, it's a bad thing, if people think the way to stop these guys is to just, you know, uh, have a go at them, if they see them, like, especially with Ty, you know, Ty doesn't really, he's never done anything that people I would consider quote-unquote wrong, you know, he just seems like a guy who's just very positive about Arsenal, um, I've just, I've never felt that that sort of direction is right in terms of harassment, and the simple thing is that if Arsenal fans don't like it, create an alternative, you know, it's, 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 it's very lazy to just blame AFT and those guys, they've done, you know, they're just the people giving their opinions at the end of the day. Do I like when troops made a shirt invite Arteta out or something? It annoyed me. And I think sometimes he's a bit annoying, but I wouldn't harass them. You know, they're just fans at the end of the day. And very relatable as well. A lot of the a lot of those what they say, a lot of people feel like and that's why they're so popular. So I have no issues with the content they they've done. Um it's just, if you don't like it, you just turn it off. Simple as that. I don't know why it's so hard for people to understand that. But yeah. Um, <laughs> that's how I feel. Um, so that concludes the podcast for today. Um, I will try and keep a little bit more updated now with the podcast. It's a game against Leeds. I think I will probably do a podcast after that game. Hopefully I'm not too busy, but I would like to do one after that game because we could be knocked out. Who knows? could be anything really about game so I have to see but yeah until next time see you later bye bye bye